you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. This is episode 92 and I am Oliver Banks, your host today and also your guide to being able to successfully transform your retail operation and business. Now, over the past few years, as retail went through its space race and companies surged to open up more stores, supply chains were critically important. And now, as e-commerce continues its march, gaining more and more ground, more and more share of the market, once again, supply chains are a critical part of making that happen. But in our digitally enabled world, where we've got lots of new technologies, it's not just about opening up lots of sheds, lots of warehouses, but actually it's about really doing that very intelligently, very cleverly using both flexibility and scale to make sure that you can productively and quickly serve your customers, whether that's stores or whether that's individual e-commerce customers. And automation for a long time was this sort of nirvana, this mirage of what the future could be, but it wasn't really feasible just yet. But of course, over the past few years, we've seen some really big companies really surge forward with automated warehouses and supply chains. And now that opportunity is available to many more retailers, not just those big tech companies in the marketplace, but it is available. So that's what I'm diving into in this episode, because if you've not thought about automating your supply chain, then boy, oh boy, have you got a big opportunity about to present itself here today. And if you have perhaps had a couple of conversations or thought about it, then it's definitely worth investigating it a lot more because as you'll hear, it really makes a bit of a no-brainer decision. So I'm really excited to jump into this topic all about automating your warehouses. And we've got two really expert guest speakers here today with us. Mark Messina is Chief Operating Officer for Geek Plus in the Americas. And Mark's got a really interesting role coming, like me, actually from an engineering background. He's got experience at Mattel, at Philips, at HP, other companies, as well as being director of mechanical engineering for Amazon Robotics. So Mark comes from this with great experience and experience of both retailer and vendor. And as you'll hear, he's a really deep expert in it. But I'm also pleased to be joined by Simon Halton. He's senior sales and marketing manager in the UK for Geek Plus. And again, when it comes to automating your warehouse, he's got lots of great experience. He was most recently at Domatic, as well as previously a number of other warehouse system and warehouse solution vendors. So again, he has lots of relevant experience. So I'm really pleased to jump into this topic with Mark and Simon. So the show notes from today are going to be over at obandco.uk slash 92. And you're going to want to make sure that you do check them out today. We've got videos and images, which I think help to illustrate the conversation in a little bit more detail. So do head over there, obandco.uk slash 92. So without further ado, let's jump straight on into this conversation 
all about automating your warehouse. Here we go. So I'm really excited today to welcome two guests onto the Retail Transformation Show, Simon Horton and Mark Messina, both from Geek Plus. Simon, how are you? Hello, good afternoon, good evening and good morning, I guess, for different parts of the world. And Mark, I think you are actually probably the person out of all the people in the world that I have met in the coolest and most futuristic way. <laughs> we, were, we were standing there and we met whilst a robot poured a beer, right? <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. We were at IMHX and uh, I had noticed you looking at our systems and then we got chatting elsewhere in the in the show and it was a really good discussion to, to get to know you. Definitely. Well, I'm pretty sure that's the way everyone will meet in the future. Um, and today, you know, we're, we're very much on that theme of robotics and automation and diving into automating your supply chain and your warehouses. And so I guess just to kick off with this, if you haven't started that journey of automation, what are the sort of prerequisites to get started, Simon? Um, I, th I think probably the first first two uh, words would be start early. So uh, a lot of businesses are experiencing challenges at the moment uh, with their managing their day-to-day -day operation with automation typically, whether it be robotic automation or more mechanical automation. The implementation period could be anything from 12 weeks up to two years. So the sooner you start looking at, uh, at this or planning, the better, because uh, I'd say potentially it could be a three months to two years by the time you actually get it up and running on, on your site. I'd also say just look at the pain points in your business. So obviously a lot of those could be labor issues, especially now. So I think a lot of businesses are, are experiencing uh, challenges at the moment with perhaps more demand on uh, B2C or e-commerce uh, rather than perhaps traditional store mm -hmm. deliveries. That, of course, creates its own labor issues because you're effectively generating thousands of orders a day versus, say, hundreds as, as the operation before. So that then needs more labor. But obviously, the big challenge we have at the moment with many sites is you can't have too much labor on site because of social distance. So certainly automation will help eliminate some of those, those pain points. I think the only other thing to add, perhaps looking at the automation journey is Start small. The businesses are experiencing massive, massive changes continuously, especially now. And we don't know what's around the corner. So look at a system which is you can start in, uh, dip your toe into automation and then expand it in a in a phased way uh, and a quick way. But the system must be flexible and, and scalable as well. So start early uh, and look for systems which are flexible and scalable. I love that. Two great bits of advice. Start early and start small. Certainly, it's a big decision to shift it. It's not, you know, something you want to be backing out of on a whim. So absolutely great bits of advice. And as we start to think about that automation journey, there are obviously lots of different types of automation that are around in warehouses and supply chains from conveyors, rails, tracks, robots. How do you decide what is best? The... Traditional systems that MHE is is very used to are what we now call heavy iron, where you've got, like you said, tracks and conveyors and static racking that is bolted down to the floor, 
So it's very much so inflexible. Mm. And one of the biggest issues that clients face today is the dynamic nature of e-commerce and uh, fickle consumer, very heavy peak demand as compared to static demand, et cetera. So our customers tend to feel a lot of historical pain from those bolted down systems that are inflexible. Um, when they hit peak, they wind up having bottlenecks that they have to throw labor at as a Band-Aid to fix in terms of capacitors for overflow, this sort of thing, where, you know, when they look at our system, it's certainly not bolted down. Everything is mobile. Um, so robotics today are really an answer to that traditional, very well accepted heavy iron model. And, you know, a lot of these companies are reticent to leave that model because they're comfortable with it. They know its limitations. It's sort of the devil you know versus the devil you don't. But there are certainly key players in the market who use robotics um, to tremendous advantage. And it results, or that advantage results from the flexibility of the system. So they have a system where there's really very little that's actually bolted down. They can augment capacity just by adding more robots. They can maximize their density by changing the way the software runs. So you get, mm. you have labor utilization that goes up. You have real estate utilization that goes up. And if you have a network of distribution centers or warehouses, um, that real estate savings alone can lead to a major cost avoidance uh, in your operations just by increasing the density, whether it's avoiding building a new facility or whether it's getting closer to the customer by creating a very high density, smaller fulfillment center with the same capacity as something that you would have a lot more travel time between you and your, your end customer. Mm. So enabling, you know, same day delivery, half hour delivery, these sorts of things is very difficult to do with these other systems. And robotics are certainly a key piece of that. There are, there are other components where you know, intimate knowledge of your customers required because if you have a small DC that's in the middle of an urban center as opposed to 20 miles away, mm. it's very important that you have the right inventory in stock. So knowing the customer, essentially knowing what they're going to order before they do so you can have it there uh, means that you can make that same day delivery. So there's there's a lot of change happening in terms of AI with customer knowledge and also robotics uh, that maximize labor and real estate and push us ever closer to the customer. Definitely. And I'm aware we're uh, we're coming to people through uh, through their ears today. And what I want to do is make sure that to help people understand, we're going to put some pictures and videos on the show notes so you can see the differences between having that fixed robotic system versus a more flexible system. But Mark, do you want to just describe roughly what the Geek Plus solution would be and how you avoid bolting down to the floor? Sure. So so just a, br a brief intro on Geek Plus. Um, we are a 900-person robotics company. We have a suite of different hardware platforms that run on our integrated software system. Our software combines AI and all of the traditional bits that you might see, WMS, LMS, TMS, etc., running on an AI core. Mm. Our robots, so, so to your question about what differentiates our system, our, our robotic system runs on a field. So the field replaces your traditional static racking and pick mods and these sorts of things. You've just got these mobile storage shelves that are about a meter by a meter by two and a half meters. Underneath, there's a small space where a robot can travel under these 
storage units, these racks, and it can find the rack that it wants, go pick it up and deliver it to a workstation where an operator stands. So typically we're seeing the operator being two to three, sometimes even more uh, times as productive as they normally would be in a traditional pick mod or, you know, walking situation. Mm. The robots are about a meter by a meter or so, uh, maybe uh, 20 centimeters tall, and they travel at about two meters per second unloaded. So, you know, several hundred robots can address several thousand pods, and we can um, then deliver all of that inventory to the operators. The software is, is kind of the unique piece of the system, though. Because when you look at the robot field, you have all these storage units and you have all the robots. And you can look at this and say, well, it's relatively simple. But it's actually um, a very flexible system. There's a lot of levers we can pull to optimize the operation for any particular customer. So if you're you know, a customer with a huge SKU mix um, and you've got some fast movers, our, our robots will take that inventory and automatically rearrange it in their downtime, looking at the order profiles and order velocity to always move the inventory that's fast moving closer to the workstation where the operator stands. So the travel distance and the travel time thereby is shorter. Yep. I love it. That seems kind of obvious. It, it, it's heat mapping and, and we, we create that heat map. There's other pieces where the inventory, the way we store your inventory is also very flexible. So if you want to have your inventory, let's say you're a 3PL, you can mix your customer inventory if they'll allow it and get very high density. So if you've got multiple customers in the same building, our system is agnostic to whoever's goo is in the pods. We can mix inventory within the pods, but even more so if let's just keep it simple and you have a single customer mm. and it's all of their inventory, we can then mix either by pod, so you can have an entire rack or pod that is stored with the same item throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Let's say you've got you know protein powder and it's a bit big and it's fast moving, so the rack will store only one type of skew on that rack. Yep. Or if you want to shoot for density, you could say, look, I've got a rack with 150 bins on it. I want to cube out the building as much as I can, so I'm going to store golf balls and crayons and Kleenex all in the same bin in one of those 150 bins in a rack. Mm. And what that allows you to do is when you start to random store, you can distribute your goods throughout the field in a way that you always get multiple hits on, on a pod. Right. Using the software, we can store things that are very dissimilar. So the pick rates stay high, but you're utilizing every cubic inch of space. Mm. So if in that protein powder example, if you've got multiple pickers that are all wanting to pick protein powder, you're not reliant on that pod being moved from A to B. And equally, when it's out of stock, it needs to be replenished. It doesn't need to be taken out of action. It can, you know, there, there are other pods with it on. Is that right? Well, that's the other thing. If you have a, if you're storing goods in a traditional way, when goods go out of stock or when they're pulled and an order is filled, you've got a gap. And it has to be replenished at some point. Mm -hmm. Our system can can bidirectionally replenish and fill orders. So as a gap opens, our system knows that, and we fill it with something else. It doesn't. It's not the same thing. It doesn't have to be the same thing it was. If you're pulling a radio and it leaves a 10 inch by 10 inch 
by 10 inch gap, we'll go fill that with, uh, you know, Kleenex, whatever, whatever fits there. And the system keeps track of it all rather than having to continually be updating your layout plans and so on. Correct. And I think one other point to add to Mark's uh, one as well is, is um, Mark mentioned about 3PLs and uh, the flexibility these robotic picking systems can give them to have multi-clients on site. But uh, also just looking at any site which is doing omni-channel distribution. So it's a mixture of potentially full case picking and piece picking. Mm-hmm. The great thing is you, you we start with a like a, a rack base uh, and what you put on that base is flexible so you can you can store full pallets and pick from pallets or you can also store shelving racks so very small piece picking items and mix and match the two together so depending on the the time of day you could be doing store replenishment in the morning the workstations we have the 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 goods to person pick stations effectively can effectively do anything so they can be flexible in that they can be picking store picks one minute and then ecom the next they can easily even also be adapted for inbound and receiving, doing put away, and even inventory control as well. So this goes back to Mark's point about flexibility of the systems. You've got sort of stations there which can be multitasking. Mm. I think the other thing to add as well um, is the pick rate improvement. So typically over a manual uh, warehouse operation, it's between three and six times potential improvement on the pick rate. Wow. So you can either reduce your current pick headcount by 70% or you can keep your same headcount and potentially send out three to six times more orders, orders using your, your existing headcount. So given that a lot of businesses are shifting more towards e-com uh, now because of the current situation, that can seriously help the, uh, the business going forward. I think the only other thing to add as well is, is typically on from a business point of view, the cost of a robotic system is far, far less than a mechanical automation solution, which in turn gives a much faster return on investment. One that's bolted down, say. Correct, yeah. So typically, we, uh, having worked at large integrators in the past, you could be easily looking at sort of five to 10 year payback at least for some of those systems. A robotic system, you could be anything from one one to three years as a maximum payback. Wow. So uh, you get your money back much quicker. Seems almost too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, you can even lease these things now as well. So lease, lease the whole project and spread it over a number of years potentially, mm. which uh, then takes the capital expenditure issue out of the picture as well which is obviously a problem for businesses now with with cash flow at the moment obviously obviously having to manage the the short-term situation we're in at the moment so uh yes yeah oliver another point to mention is our payback period is usually faster than traditional heavy iron is installed so you know we can have a system up and running anywhere between six weeks and four months depending on the complexity of the system and then we start returning on your investment, whereas traditional heavy iron can be, you know, two plus years from concept to go live. Mm. Uh, so we're very, we're very quick to set up. It's a lightweight, but very capable system. It's an, it's an entirely new paradigm in MHE. Mm. It really is. And we have other things, as uh, other solutions as well, right? So we've, we've talked about what we call the picking system, which is our goods, goods to person. 
But we also have sorting systems, which eliminates uh, conveyance. Mm -hmm. We have moving robots that can be used for uh, a variety of different solutions. So they, they're typically found in factory environments, and they are AMR versus AGV. So our, our goods to person and our sorting systems use uh, AGV technology. Help us out with the, uh, the acronyms there, Mark, AMR and AGV. <laughs> so AGV refers to robots that follow fiducials on the floor. Um, they're looking at stickers and they're following a path. So, you know, there's no, there's no track, there's no magnetic line, um, there's nothing really to be damaged. They're, they just look every meter or so for a sticker that tells them where they are and confirms that they are where they expect to be. AMR is a different technology where there's nothing on the floor. We use a, a, a LIDAR sensor, which creates a 2D slice of the building at a, at a certain plane. Mm. And with that, we just, when we install the robot, we manually drive it around the building like a remote control car, uh, and it creates a map of that slice. And then from that, the robot uses that map, um, and we overlay on that map a virtual line with a workflow and the robot, if something gets in its way, it can navigate around as long as there's free space. And then we have a hybrid, which combines those two because um, the AMR model will not be as fast as an AGV model because of the precision that the AGV has, um, mm. but AGV doesn't deal with obstacles very well. So what we do is we combine the two whereby you have very fast navigation in a complex environment with AMR, but then at endpoint, you get very precise location using a fiducial at the endpoint. Got it. I'm imagining when you install it, a long line of people that want to be uh, holding the remote control to drive the robot around as you, uh, as you set it all up. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that, that brings us on to the next part of the conversation. A warehouse now is employing, you know, loads of people from picking to replenishment, you know, driving forklifts, et cetera, et cetera. How do you see the warehouse of the future once you've gone through this automation journey? Are there people? Obviously, there are pickers still doing doing picking jobs. What other parts do they play? I think for the for the near future, the next say three to five years, there are certainly people involved in the warehouse. There are combinations of technologies that need to come together. So, picking right now, we've got a lot of solutions in robots. So, you know, I mentioned we have picking and moving and sorting robots. We also have uh, four truck. Mm. So. A lot of the heavy material movement, the very time-consuming material movement, we can handle already. And we we kind of use robots for what robots are good at, and today we use people for what people are good at. So robots are really good at you know roaming around and finding what you need. I, I've tried to compare it to if you have to go to the grocery store, when you go to look at the grocery store and you find you know you're looking for your favorite beer, it takes quite a while to find it. You have to find the aisle, find blah, 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 right? Eventually you can get it. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not really good at, at locating that item. But when we find it, we're really good at picking it, right? Picking it off the shelf, no problem. And this is where robots tend to struggle, not so much in a technology perspective, but from a cost perspective. Mm. The technology is, is developing. So we see that, um, you know, biped robots and picking systems are making advances and these will eventually become more cost effective. Mm -hmm. But I think in the next five years, you start to see less and less humans in the warehouse and more and more automation, more and more intelligent automation that it's using 
vision systems and AI, neural networks, et cetera, to do learning and, and be very, very, very flexible. Mm. I think once you get to, I'd say, eight to 10 years out, you start to see very few people in, in the in, in these operations. And perhaps it's really more like service technicians and troubleshooting and, you know, something happened that we didn't expect and the system doesn't recover from. So this is sort of the timeline that I see. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to think of that. I think uh, just to just to summarize Mark's point there is uh, basically if if you're looking at a warehouse operation now, anywhere where there's a repetitive task, whether the person's in transit walking up and down, or the task isn't productive, so it's not picking, he's not doing anything. They're the, they're the immediate tasks which robotic solutions aim to to eliminate. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting to think about how that's going to evolve over the over the future. But as we're thinking about an automated warehouse, does it affect the customer experience in any other way other than, frankly, reducing the cost of operations so you can uh, potentially operate more cost effectively? Are there any other impacts to deliver for the customer, Simon? Yeah, I I, I think um, obviously the the, the speed of reaction. So it's allowing the business to process more orders faster. And from a consumer perspective, that will effectively be the addition of extra services really so you'll start to see more uh, same day services click and collect so more businesses can offer those services to the end customer so for the customer experience we've all done it we've sat at 10 o'clock at night and you're on your computer or on your ipad and oh, i need to order some more whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. and you you really want it for the next day you know that's that's the key thing and so if automation allows a business to process orders later faster quicker uh it means you you as, as a consumer you'll get the goods quicker and, and that enhances the the experience with that particular mm. retailer or, or store uh it just enhances your experience and, and the same with you know if you need to send it back and anything like that if anything we're all look we're all moving faster now as consumers and we want stuff quicker and i think any business which, which can offer that is is an added benefit I, I think the name of the game today for the customer experience is instant gratification. Yes. When you look at where we are today with e-commerce and, and the shopping experience in general, even in the store, curbside pickup, this sort of thing, um, it's an entirely different experience uh, than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So mm. we are approaching pretty much instant gratification. I think in, in, in the very near future, you'll see delivery uh, through entirely different modalities. Currently, you know, everything is terrestrial. I think in the very near future, we start to see drone delivery becoming an actual reality in a safe way. And at that point, you have, you know, order and then literally wait a few minutes and something is showing up at your door. Now, maybe not 100% of the things you want will we'll be able to do that, but just the ability to have medication or smaller items delivered at the start will change shopping habits entirely. And then, you know, if you put that in the context of the current situation with COVID, should the shopping behaviors that we see as a result of the virus situation persist, then it will continue to drive more and more remote shopping as opposed to visiting the store and and even store visits will be i think pushed more towards curbside pickup and this sort of thing i think there will always be a place for visiting the store there's there are many things you just can't buy without seeing them uh, and, and that will persist for some time as well but even that will change mm. 
you know, we we offer a solution that's it's called Isle Pick, and uh, it's an orders to person system. And this will be prevalent in stores. So you'll see sort of the Instacart model where people are today pushing shopping carts around. Instacart will, you know, this sort of solution will use this technology to maximize mm. their throughput, uh, making their service more affordable. So having people shop for you will, will happen as well. So, you know, home delivery, the bespoke shopper, this sort of thing will happen. Um, but really, I think the sort of the one that's going to be very eye opening is, um, is drone delivery. Yeah, absolutely. All eyes going to be uh, on the skies for that, so to speak. <laughs> so, uh, Simon and Mark, this has been really interesting. But just before we do wrap up, there's a question I've been itching to ask. You know, as we look at the retail market, particularly e-commerce, there are some frankly, 600 pound gorillas and a lot heavier in the room that have really majored on automated warehouses, you know, very efficient supply chains. And it's really catapulted their growth. And there are a number across the whole world as well. But I have to ask, do those companies have a weakness when it comes to a supply chain? And if so, or if not, how can other retailers that don't have that same capacity or same uh, capability i suppose how can other retailers build up a competitive supply chain operation as we start to move towards one hour deliveries etc etc so i think there's very little weakness in in the major players they're constantly looking and developing solutions that address any weakness i think there's always opportunities to further enhance the customer experience but these key players have kind of left the rest of the world in the dust and everybody is is playing catch up so for the majority of companies they consider themselves retailers or customer centric where many of the players that you mentioned as far as 600 pound gorillas they see themselves as tech companies mm. they, they you know e-commerce or, or retail is really a byproduct of their technology it enables it's enabled by the technology so when we look at the market today a lot of our customers the discussion is you know we need a solution in order to compete and that's that's the value that we bring to those customers we have a solution that can help them compete i think for me from my point of view i, I would just add that um, the the perhaps the large behemoths online which uh, have Thousands are obviously offering. You can find pretty much everything there, which is great. Um, I think the other retailers, perhaps, uh, I think one of the reasons why the, the large behemoths, which we won't mention any names, have, have done so well recently is the service offering. So this goes back to my previous point is that you can go online and you can order from one of these large retailers uh, late at night and get it the next day or even same day potentially as well. I think the the great advantage and this is probably turning it back to to robotic automation because the entry level now is a lot lot lower cost a lot more businesses can automate their their distribution centers and allow them to offer the same if not even better service than perhaps these large behemoths and uh but with the added advantage of being a specialist in in uh, in their particular field so you know, if a retailer's specialist in surfboards and he's got all the range of surfboards and on top of that, he can offer a service which is very, very fast delivery. And potentially, if he's a specialist, he's got probably maybe more buying power on that particular item, then potentially mm -hmm. he could be more competitive as well. So I think there's some good opportunities for 
smaller to medium size businesses coming coming forward if if they've got that presence online potentially that's that's key nowadays and also the distribution center to back that up to offer the service that consumers want yeah definitely so there is that opportunity to really major on your area of speciality that frankly customers will love and they'll come to you for but then you work on building up that supply chain that can serve quickly and can offer an awesome proposition Simon, Mark, this has been so much fun. But I have to ask also as well, how can people find out more? How can they get in touch with both of you? So they can find us at geekplus.com or they can contact us at sales at geekplus.com. We are a 900-person company with 400 dedicated to R&D. We have offices throughout the world, uh, in the States, in UK, Germany, China, uh, Singapore, and Japan. So we're, we're always uh, in your region. I, I think to add to that as well, um, obviously, apart from the website, there's a great YouTube site where you can see robots in action and uh, a lot of case reference sites, which we've, we've done. And uh, that sort of helps visualize what maybe what we've talked about a little bit more today of what can be achieved. Definitely. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to put all of those on the show notes page, including the link to that YouTube. And I'll also embed a few videos so people can understand a bit more what we are talking about. But Simon, Mark, this has been a ton of fun. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and helping illuminate what the future of uh, supply chains and warehouses looks like. And it's not all that far away, is it? Definitely not. It's here now. (laughs) It's here now. Super. Well, thank you both so much. Thanks, Oliver. Much appreciated. Oliver, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Fantastic. So that was my conversation with Simon Horton and Mark Messina from Geek Plus. And do remember to go and check out the show notes page, which, as I mentioned before, obandco.uk slash 92. And you can check out all of the videos that we are referring to and you get a bit of a better idea. If you've not seen these sort of solutions in real life, then over on that show notes page, it will really help to paint a picture, a moving picture, (laughs) of uh, how this system works. I've seen it in real life and it's really impressive to see, actually. It kind of blows your mind. If you've not properly looked at this, then I do encourage you to head over there, obandco.uk slash 92. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of the Retail Transformation Show. Do remember to hit subscribe and check out new episodes which come out every single week. And hey, there are plenty in the archive to go back and listen to as well. There's some really fascinating topics. So do have a little scroll through. For the majority of those episodes, they are still timeless. So absolutely worth looking back through those archives and finding out the episodes that really are going to resonate with you. So enjoy tuning in to those past episodes. Right, we're going to wrap this one up here. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll look forward to joining you very, very soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.